Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I am your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Whether you tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode for episode 150 is currently the lead mental performance coach for the Real Monarchs, the RSL Academy, and the assistant mental performance coach for Real Salt Lake. He also works with Utah State and Westminster Athletics, as well as many other high school teams in the Rocky Mountain region. Welcome to the Elevate Podcast, John Osborne. How are we doing today? Doing awesome. Glad to be here. Good, good. Uh, I know we're excited to have you. Um, I guess to start off, just to give our listeners a little background on, on yourself, you know, just a little bit of uh, your background and, and what led you to the, the work you do now and, and give us our listeners a, an idea of kind of all the things uh, you're working with. Yeah, no, it's awesome. Yeah, I've been doing doing the sport performance psychology coaching um, for about the past seven years, you know, uh, I, I went to grad school, got my master's degree at the University of Utah. Um, some people go to go to grad school because they already know what they want to do. I was one of those people that went there to kind of like find out if that's what I want to do. And so they'll actually not many people know this, but my my whole first year, I actually was thinking about quitting the whole time because I'm like, man, I just don't know if this is this seems too good to be true, you know? And, uh, anyway, so I'm glad, glad I stuck with it, um, because it's been, it's been awesome. And so just, yeah, we've been rocking and rolling, just trying to work with as many high performers as possible and, um, spreading the, you know, spreading the good news around. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been an awesome kind of, kind of a crazy journey, but it's been really, really good. Yeah. Good. Um, it, you know, and I know, uh, you know, part of, uh, doing an, looking up about on you uh in your own personal kind of like you you suffered some injuries kind of as an athlete and uh you know i think that's a common thing right i think the longer you play the more likely you know something's going to keep you sidelined for a little bit um how come athletes you know keep their focus forward you know when they're going through kind of a maybe an injury and maybe it's Mm -hmm. a couple weeks and maybe it's a couple months that that they need to rehab yeah well there's two things that uh, really really helped me um that it's kind of interesting. It was, actually, it was actually my injury that helped me keep going through grad school. Mm. And what I mean by that was like, there were certain things I did, you know, I, I got, I had my first knee surgery when I was 16. So I was going, I, I really dealt with injury a lot through my like main competitive years. And there were certain things that I did at the time, not knowing why, where like, it was like, I knew the science, like I wasn't a sports psychologist at 16, you know, right. but as I as I studied things in school, I'm like, Oh, that's why that worked. Right. And so a couple of things that that as I reflect on my experience that I think can really, really help injured athletes is is one start. We're kind of removing this whole like good, bad, positive, negative, you know, good days, bad days type things. Um, And instead, my my like preferred terminology is like helping and hurting. Right. Because um, as a as an athlete, like if I'm if I'm off the court or off the field, whatever. Yeah, I might not be able to help my team physically. Right. But you can still help your team. Right. And that's one of the things that I thought that I did really well when I was 16, sitting out my my junior year of high school. I missed the entire season is I, I felt like I was almost almost maybe more more helpful. You know, like I wasn't I wasn't out there playing. I wasn't actually impacting the game. But, man, I felt like I did um, a lot of work helping the younger players who maybe didn't have the experience that I did, who were going to have to step up like 
help them understand our game plan, help them understand the game in general. So I think that's one of the things athletes can do. Like if they're dealing yeah. with injuries, just yeah. remain helpful. Yeah. You know, that's uh yeah. There's a, I had heard a story uh, not too long about go about a, as a coach, I was a football coach recruiting a kid that played basketball. He happened to have like a sprained ankle. He wasn't playing that night. And uh, he told the coach he was coming to watch the game. And he's like, well, he's not playing tonight. He goes, I know. Yeah, I, almost <laughs> like if I were in this situation, I'd be like telling coaches like, hey, give me like what what are the situations where I can come and actually observe like the true character of a person? Yeah. You know, like I don't want to go we'll come watch some some blowout. I don't even necessarily want to watch like a, a good game. But come come tell me. Tell me when I can come see what this kid is is actually like, you know. And yeah, so I think yeah. that's I think that's awesome. You know, we saw a really good example of that. Was it was it this past week in the NFL? Like the people loved doing the side by side of Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow, mm-hmm. both out. You know, Deshaun was chilling up there in the owner's box when people are like giving him such a bad time. And I'm like, wouldn't you also like it's Cleveland, right? Like wouldn't <laughs> I also just like love to just chill out in the owner's box and. Um, but, you know, I think anyway, it's just it's an opportunity, right? Like, I don't think Deshaun's wrong for doing that or that Joe is more right for doing that. It's just all about, like, remaining, remaining helpful, because I think when you when that's like your mindset, and your mentality, then you're looking for opportunities. That's one of the that's one of the words that I use a lot with the athletes I'm working with of the of, like one of the best mindsets for me that, that an athlete can have to stay competitive is to be opportunistic. Because opportunistic doesn't just mean that I take the opportunities that come my way. It means that I'm actively looking like that might be an opportunity. Let's pursue it. That might be an opportunity. I'm going to pursue that. And if you're trying to remain helpful as an injured athlete, like going through recovery and like you can remain opportunistic. Right. And that yeah. that's a a muscle. That's a mindset that we definitely want once you're back on the on the playing right. field. Right. So we can continue to develop that like opportunistic mentality. Um, then I think that's that's awesome. Right. And so that's one of the things that like remaining helpful um, kind of forces you to do if you're doing it right is constantly looking for opportunities. Is that is that filling up somebody's water? Is that grabbing gear? Is that breaking down film? Is that talking to somebody on the sideline? Right. Like I'm constantly looking for opportunities um, to be to be helpful. And I think it you know, keeps keeps that. And that actually is the second thing that I think being helpful really does. And, and what I would like encourage athletes that are going through that injury to do is to stay competitive, right? That doesn't mean, you know, getting competitive at family game night and throwing tantrums and things like that. Right. But being, being competitive is always about like my best, right? Like being competitive with, with your recovery, right. That it's yeah. like, Hey, you know, I, I'm asking that to my, my PT a couple of times. So like, Hey, how many, how many reps of this, like, should I be able to do, you know, by Friday or whatever. Right. And, um, you know, they'd say you should be able to, you know, be able to do this, right. Where you'd be able to a range of motion should be this. I was dealing with knee injuries. So a range yeah. of motion was a really big thing. It's like, you know, by, by next week, your range of motion should be at 40 degrees or whatever the number was. And I was like, I would be competitive towards that thing, right. That I'm not trying to like beat somebody else. I'm trying to like, this is what, um, like for me to be at my best, I should be at 40. Well, I'm going to try and get to, you know, 41, you know, yeah. just kind of maintain yeah. that competitiveness that you love and you miss when you're playing. But you can actually do some of the same types of things. Yeah, it's not going to like not going to move the needle for people when you're telling the stories, you know, like, hey, man, I did 41 degrees today. <laughs> right. You're like, not, not the same thing as like, you know, scoring 35 in a game or something, but um, we can still like maintain that same competitiveness. For sure. I think and that's, you know, probably one of the most healthy things 
you can do it. I remember, yeah, going through some rehab and they're like, all right, we need, you know, 200 of these reps a day. It's like, all right, I want to get to 250 or 300. Right. You, you know, and, and, you know, whatever that was. And it also gives you that opportunity, I think too, if you, you know, are opportunistic in the things you just talked about to maybe detach a bit from the results of your sport and be oh, yeah. able to focus more on that, you know, internal you versus you competition, because that's kind of what you're left with when you're in the training room sometimes when you, you don't have their other things. Yeah. I was going to say like when you're, when you're injured, like you're like the results that you've like really, really cared about, like really are kind of out the window. Right. I think that's one of the reasons why so many athletes, like injured athletes go through, you know, that like emotional funk, you know, like I, I remember going through and that's what I call like that emotional 100%. funk where you just. I said a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Did I lose you? No. Yeah. No, you're good. I just said, uh, yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. No, you're, you're good. Awesome. Sorry. Um, uh, yeah, what was it? So, so I think athletes go through that like emotional funk and I think it's because they've cared about results for so much, um, in their, like in their life as, as an athlete, which I'm, I'm all about, right? Like athlete, you know, sports athletics is, sure. is a results based, you know, s- space and whatnot. But when they're like, those results are just ripped away. It's like, man, no matter how much you want, like you're not going to get the results. Right. right? But it is a great time to like re- reflect and kind of like re- reconfigure your brain to be just so focused on the process of getting better, right? Improvement for yourself. Um, you know, some, some ways that you can actually, like, you know, step away from the game and actually like improve with what you have going on. So yeah, I completely agree. I think it totally lets, you know, kind of re- rebalances, the emphasis on um processes versus outcomes i totally agree with you um one of the things i saw in your bio i wanted you to explain and uh get into because i mean i had a good peanut butter and jelly sandwich you know not too long ago but uh yeah tell me a little bit about the pb and j you like to talk about yeah so so i one of uh one of my strengths and I, you know, that sounds so weird to say, and it still bothers me when I talk about strengths, you know, cause I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm from that generation where it's like, Hey, you don't talk about yourself. Don't talk about your strengths. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Hey, you want to talk about my weaknesses? <laughs> sure. Let's jump in there. But one of the things that, um, that I really try and pride myself on is being um, creative and memorable. So when I'm working with a, with a team, I like try, I, you know, I don't want always just go to the whiteboard and we won't have like a, you know, a, a whiteboard session where we're, you know, talking about a topic, but I really like to leave, like do some type of activity or leave a, a lesson, something that's going to be memorable for, for the benefit of them and their coaches. Right. Because hope, you know, we're, we're covering like, like really what are the odds that the lesson and like the, the lesson from that one day, like perfectly applies to the situation they're like facing now or they're about to face. Sure. Right. Odds are that that lesson is going to become really, really applicable, you know, in three months. Right? right. And so I like to have something that's memorable so that coach can be like, hey, guys, remember when we made this PB&J with John? Why did we do that? Right. And, and then they, you know, the coach is able to like rehash the lesson quickly in a memorable way. And the guys aren't like, wait, hold on. What did we do? Like, wait, what did he draw on the whiteboard? It's like, no, PB&J. Oh, I definitely remember that. Right. right um so yeah uh, so i i'm always trying to uh find creative activities and i i make up a lot of them my own um and i'm really proud of that you know just like yeah. having these, these yeah. random these random uh activities kind of come to come to my mind or here's a lesson i'm trying to teach what can i how can i do that in a memorable way and so um one of the anyway so so with the with the bb and j what that one is all about team roles 
Um, so no matter how many people I have on the team, and, I, and I've done it upwards of like 60 people, but I think that's the mm-hmm. most I've ever done, 60 people, is I give them two slices of bread, a jar of peanut butter, and a jar of jelly. Um, and we have to make a PB&J. Um, everyone on the team has to play a role in making the sandwich. Um, nobody can have the same role. Nobody can have more than one role. Um, and we got to get the sandwich all the way made. And so they got to essentially make the simple task of a PB&J and break it up into, you know, 60 parts, depending on how many people are there. And so everyone gets a different job. And so it's been, so it's really cool. There's so many great lessons that come from it. My absolute favorite one though, is the moment of realization because everyone's like, oh, that's easy. And it's the moment of realization when they look around and they all ask me the same question. Wait, you didn't, you didn't give us a knife. I'm like, yeah, I know I didn't give you a knife. Right. You got to figure that one out. And so it's cool to see because what, what one of two things happens is people start counting a number of jobs and realizing that they are they're in the position where they may have to put their hands in a jar of peanut butter yep. and they immediately jump to the front. They're like, I got bread. I got bread. Right. Um, and they immediately like, try and get out of that place. Um, or you get somebody who like sees that that's the solution, right? That someone's got to do it. Um, and they just rise up and they're like, I'll do it. Like, I got no problems doing that. And so it's really, really cool to see kind of one of those two, two of those things happen. So we just talk about, there's a lot of different things that I debrief from that activity. One of my favorites though, is just the idea of dirty jobs, right? For me, a dirty job is kind of defined by something that is, not glamorous at all, but it's an absolute game changer, right? Something that's not going to show up on the stat sheet. Um, no one's going to like, you know, get an, get, you know, get a, a sports center top 10, you know, no one's going to like, no one's going to write an article about it in the paper, but it's an absolute game changer, you know, so in basketball taking a charge, you know, diving off to a 50, 50 ball is an example of it. Right. Um, you know, playing, playing man, you know, uh, lockdown man defense and soccer, you know, example of that, right. It's like, it's not fun at all. You're chasing a dude all around the field and it's not fun at all. Not, not glamorous, um, but it absolutely changes the game. And so encouraging, um, encouraging all of them to find a dirty job and um, make it theirs. Because the other thing about people who who do dirty jobs is they become invaluable to their organization, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You know, when, it, when yeah. organizations look, you know, like when they're looking to cut costs, like they're not going to cut the person who like does the filing. No. Because everyone's looking around the room being like, no. I don't want to file. They, yeah, you're not going to get rid of the guy doing the peanut butter. You're going to get rid of the guy that just brings the, you know, the bread over to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. It's like, hey, you know what? We can we we can have two people do that thing. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. So like you create, you know, I, I, this is really valuable for for um, younger players who are like, you know, they're their future might be uncertain for them. You know, the JV player is not sure they're going to make varsity. And I'm like, you want to know the quickest way to make that varsity squad, the quickest way to get scouted, right, and, and take your talents to the next level is by doing dirty jobs. Because coaches also know that, like, that dirty job needs to be done. And they don't want to, you know, they don't want to be coaching a dude to do the dirty job. They want, like, somebody who will come in and do it automatically, right? So the, the one of the best ways to create value for yourselves is find the dirty job and make it make it yours, right? That it's like, hey, who's, who's you know, bringing gear off the bus today? It's like, oh, it's definitely John. Like, John's definitely doing that, right? Like, we don't have to, like, make the freshman job. We don't got to, like, you know, haze the new guys by having them bring gear. Like, nope, somebody's right. already doing right. that. Like, they're, they're creating value for themselves. Love it. Um, 
The other one I want to ask you, uh, more into a, a positivity cocktail, but tell me about the negativity cocktail. Yeah, another another super fun one. Um, I kind of kind of came out of uh, um, nowhere. I was uh, it was a hot a hot July day. I was working with a high school baseball team, obviously in their off season. And, uh, you know, for once, once in their lives, these baseball players had actually been running. And so they, um, and so they were, uh, um, they were super deep, like not dehydrated, but they were, they were thirsty. They were, they were dying. Um, and, uh, um, as they were tired, like the, the self, not, I guess not the self-talk, but the, the conversation started to change a lot of like complaints and things like that. And so I, I brought them all together and we, in the, in the dugout, you know, as have you been in a baseball dugout, unless, unless it's like part of their identity that they keep things super clean. There's like always not trash, but just like, it's messy. Anyway, in, this, in this case, in this case, there were a bunch of like um, must mustard ketchup and relish packets from like the hot dog stand. Anyway. So I brought them over and I was like, Hey guys, like, do you guys, have you ever been outside where it's super hot? You've been, you've been running and like just describing their current situation. And I was like, it's one of my favorite things to like, when I get home, like I open up the fridge and there's just like a nice cold bottle of water. God, you remember how good that tastes that there, you can just see their mouth just like start to salivate. And right. go, Man, like that's, that's what they wanted right there. And I was like, can you imagine just like reaching up and instead grabbing that water and instead of like grabbing crystal clear, like pure water. And I, and then I was like, and you grab this thing and I pull a, a water bottle out from behind my back. And while they'd been doing their work, I had like emptied like ketchup, mustard uh relish into the water bottle and i shook it up so it just looked gross right you know it's one of those those you know second grade lunchroom type type of looks right yeah, yeah. um yeah. and i was like imagine like this is what you find you know and they're like oh that's gross and i'm like i'm gonna yeah and now you gotta drink it and they all thought i was like dead serious and i was just like here you go ryan and ryan's looking at me like are you are you joking anyway so we just, we just started talking about like what like why would you not want to drink that you know, why would that not? And, and you got the answer of like, it's gross, but it's also not refreshing, right? Like it doesn't actually do anything for you in your current state of like of dehydration. Right. And so we talked about that. And that's why I said, I was like, did any of you notice the the mood, the vibe, the, the, how the conversation changed when things got hard around here? Right. Like what was the mood at the beginning of practice before things got hard? Right. It was light. It was it was helpful, positive, productive. Um, and now it's just like it's complaints, coach, you know, coach this, coach that, um, the heat, all the different things. Right. And I was like, it's essentially what you're doing is you give into and you talk about those those negative, those hurtful, unproductive things. It's like you're after a long run, you reach in and you grab this this nasty drink. Right. In terms of what it's yeah. doing for you, it's not productive anymore and it's not uh, providing you with what you need. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it's just it was a really, really good example. And so now I kind of take that around with like different teams that I'm working with. I'll have, you know, actually have, have in my, in my office, like a big bag of like condiments or whatever. And so anytime we come in to teach any, anytime I come and teach this lesson, I'm actually having them like add it to the water. And I'm like, tell me about, you know, your most frustrating moment. Like, tell me what's, what's a, a negative thought, you know, that, that you, you remember hearing someone say on this team or you yourself have said in this frustration, you know, it's just like, oh, this, you know, it's not worth it. I'm great dump that ketchup packet in this water, right? We kind of go around and I'm like, would you drink this now? Like, would you drink this now? Right. And we just make it gross. I actually have, oh my, oh my word. Dude, Ty, this is your lucky day, my friend. Oh man. This is, this is my original. This is I, my, um, I can't, I, I, I totally forgot. It, it was sitting in my garage for like 
That is six years. That is not AG one greens in there. <laughs> you know, no, no, no. And uh, yeah, I, I got, I totally forgot where I was actually trying, just thinking, I was like, I wonder where the bottle is. Cause that'd be kind of fun to take around to these teams. And yeah, it's like literally right behind my computer mo- computer monitor. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's it. the original one from that baseball team that has just sat and sat and sat for seven years now. That, that caps on pretty tight. That caps on very tight. But <laughs> okay. that, it, it, it is a plastic bottle. So like the ability for that thing to disintegrate right through, like I, uh, I might have to change, change things up or whatever, but, um, yeah, yeah. But, but the other thing that's really great about that one that I, I like, um, is it's a great lead behind, you know, like, like that's this bottle sat in that dugout, you know, all of the next year. Right. So guys coming in, they saw that. Right. And so just trying to make things memorable, trying to make like the lesson, trying to make coaches lives easier. Right. They're, they're shelling out money to have me come, but they're shelling out time as well. Right. So like, if I can make an impact, you know, right then it's awesome. Right. But if I can make that impact last longer and longer and longer. And I think one of the ways we make our impact last longer is by making things that are memorable or making something that can, that can stay behind, yeah. you know? Yeah. So that's what I'm always trying to do, you know? So, so some of those activities in my bio, just to kind of, you know, pique people's attention or whatever, like what, what on earth is that? But that's all I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to make it. things memorable for them. I'm, de- I'm, I'm definitely going to make some kids try to slather some PBJs here. Yeah. In the future. Um, what uh, a question, uh, you know, uh, it's basketball season. Now you've spent some time in the basketball world too. Uh, coaches that listen, you got a timeout. You know, sometimes the coaches like to get right into the the problems, the observations and, and those kind of things. Uh, what's something maybe a, a coach listening that they could do new to kind of prime their players to kind of come out of that timeout in, in the best, you know, position? Yeah, it's a gr- that's a great question, right? And, and timeouts are being taken for like lots of different reasons. One mm-hmm. one of the one of the things that uh, that I, I I get really impressed by, I guess I'll say that when, when I when I see a coach do do this, I get really really impressed is when they are not informing but they're teaching, right? Instead of like let me give you the answer, you know, it's all like uh, you know teach a man to fish, give him a fish type thing, right? Um, when I, when I see a coach, like ask a question, that is honestly one of the most impressive things. Cause I mean, those, that 30 seconds, that minute, even if it's a full timeout, like that minute goes by quick. And so when a coach is ready to ask a question, I'm like, dude, this guy, this guy's ready. And this is going to be an effective timeout because he is facilitating learning, right? He's not just like changing a quick behavior. He's essentially like teaching teaching why in hopes that that that, like we don't have to take a timeout for this ever again you know um i I get really impressed when a coach teaches and and when they when they ask a question um i think that is i think that's really really awesome the other thing that i i really like when coaches do this one's a lot harder because you know i I see it mostly when like maybe the other team takes a timeout um i'm not sure how many times i've seen it when like i i take a timeout to do this but when I think about like changing behavior, right? Like there are, there's the right behavior. There's the wrong behavior. Um, there, there's two ways to go about things. You either stop, you stop wrong behaviors or you um, increase right behaviors. Right. And so I, I really like when coaches don't emphasize what the team is doing wrong, being like, Hey guys, we need to be doing this. So you shouldn't be fouling anymore. Right. And instead the coach is like, Hey, do you guys remember two possessions ago? You know, what, what like, why was that a great defensive possession? Like, yeah, and then let them answer, right? That's where the question comes in. That's, that's one of my, my absolute favorites, right? But you start identifying what made that possession 
great. And you're essentially giving an opportunity to reinforce to say, hey, when we get back out there, I don't want you to not foul. I want you to do these other things that help me in a great possession, right? Like yeah, there was, you know, great, great communication on defense, right? That we were, we understood our defensive assignments in terms of switching or hedging or whatever it is, right? Like these are the things that made that good. Let's go do more good instead of just like stopping, you know, trying to ax some of these like negative behaviors, yeah, right? Yeah. And so like a lot of times coaches I, I've seen, like they're all, they're working towards the same thing, right? They're simply trying to like make better behavior, right? But a lot of times coaches, because it's quick, right? Of like, hey, here's the problem. We identify the problem. We're done with the problem. But that's great if you already have like a great relationship. And if you got players who are like on the same, you know, level, not level, but like, you know, mental plane plane as you, I guess, that they understand immediately. That's one of my favorite things coaches can do is uh, like enforce, reinforce like the positive behaviors, and like then, then as an athlete, I'm not like, wait, wait, what am I not doing out here? You know, like instead I'm like, oh, I'm just going to, I'm going to go do more of what I have done previously, right? I'm going to go yeah. do more talking. I'm going to go do more ball movement. I'm going to go do more execution, whatever it is, instead of avoiding the negative. Does that make sense? Yeah, for sure. Uh, one thing I was going to ask, you know, working with a variety of student athletes uh, at different levels in sports, uh, from your observations, especially in you know recent years, months, uh, what are some of the skills that you see those athletes hungry and you know excited to kind of learn and utilize to navigate not just sports but probably you know life too? Oh, that's a great question. So, so I understand it correctly. So, what what skills are they are they, they eager, like excited to be using? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, when you kind of teach them, they're like, ooh, you know, they, you see those aha moments come quicker. Yeah. Uh, writing in a journal. Mm. I, I grew up being taught to write in a journal and hated it. And so I didn't do it. Um, like, it was it was 100% just like another task for me to do. It was just like, oh, man, one more thing I would do before bed. I'm like, oh, one more thing to stop me from going to bed, you know? And so like, I never did. Um, when I... So one of the things I've been teaching now is is journal writing for performance, right? And it's not so much about like a personal history, but instead it's to be able to like allow. Well, first I think two things happen. I think one is I think that you um, get closer to acceptance. I call writing in a journal an exercise in acceptance, right? That you just write things as they are, not trying to control the thought, not trying to force it, you know, one some different way. There's no outcome attached to whatever it is that you write, but you're just writing to write. And so I think acceptance becomes like way easier. You just yeah. but the other thing that that I think athletes are starting to like love um with when they're writing in their journal is because there's not a prompt and I'm just like, hey, just let it go and, and, and just write for whatever it might be is really fun for them afterwards to like start analyzing thought patterns. Right. You know, have, have some, have some athletes in the, in the college ranks who are like, man, when I'm writing, like after I have a great race or a great practice, you know, I like just start writing. And one of the th patterns that I notice is that like, I, I identify the positive and then I'm like immediately like, I wonder how or I, ho I hope that it will last. Right. So there's this immediate doubt that like, you know, whatever good thing happening to me isn't going to last. Yeah. Right. And so we started identifying thought patterns that all came because of their journal. Um, and so I think that's probably the thing that has been like most fun um, and has been really, really cool for athletes to like work on and use that. It's not a journal for like, you know, it's not a personal history one. 
you know, uh, but instead it's like, Hey, let's figure out how you think. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I think, I think a lot of athletes are a little, maybe at this, at this level are, there's a little bit of embarrassment that they don't know how they think, right. That they can't answer it. Right. It's like, well, here's how I think. Yeah. And so when they get to, when they get to find the answer for themselves, like as they write in a journal and start analyzing their own thought patterns and realizing just, yes, realizing some patterns, realizing yeah. some tendencies. Yeah. Um, I think they like, it helps them do it more. They're like really excited. Um, they're really excited about that. For sure. And I, yeah, especially when you can get them to, like you said, prompt with, you know, without this judgment, just let it kind of go. Yeah. Go flow. Uh, I've been, uh, yeah, doing a, a, a little bit of journaling. And I think also with the coach and it was, you know, kind of, as you kind of in my own recent experience in that kind of thought analysis and with someone be able to kind of like also <clears throat> look at it, uh, was just the, uh, it pointed out, you know, the subconscious things that would come in. Yeah. And they're like, you know, that's not what you were prompted and that's not what you told me, but you see how your subconscious, when you dump, when you dump your mm-hmm. subconscious is, is coming out this way and that way. And it's like, oh yeah. So he's, you know, interested, you know, and it was exactly that, like, okay, that, how is that impacting the thought patterns? Mm-hmm. You know, it's definitely having an impact, right? Yeah. Uh, and so that was, you know, I, I think just something, uh, yeah, it kind of taking that to that next level. And I think, um, I think we had another guest, uh, talk about i think it was a format that i think athletes she called it writing a rut you know just let your raw raw unfiltered thoughts oh i love it yeah it's just like you know and get them to just dump it and then yes you know a lot of times too it's like then you can judge your thoughts a little bit more accurately and be like ah now that i wrote that i don't know if i'm really angry you know but i am i am (laughs) confused i am still confused though (laughs) you know like yeah right right right. yeah Yeah, I, i think that's one of the cool things that's been been really like enlightening um for a lot of athletes that i've been working with is that like we talk a lot about control you know what coach doesn't right and athletes are so well aware of the whole like control the controllables um but it's been really fun to ask athletes that question is there as they're writing in their journal like experiencing these emotions it's like hey is are your um is your emotion in your in your control out of your control and they're like oh it's in my control and it's been really fun to like help them realize that their emotions are out of their control but what is you know, like, but what relates to our emotions that's in my control is how I express my emotion and how long I express or hold on to hold on to that emotion. Right. And so that's one of the cool, like the cool things that this journal like really kind of allows. Right. Like raw, unfiltered thought. I love that. It's like if you're peeved, like write about it. You're not like, I know I'm an adult telling you, hey, it's OK to be mad. And like, I'm not even mad that you're mad. You know, like go ahead and write about it. Just express yourself. Right. And then you start realizing like, as you write it out, that's like, man, you know what? Like, I don't actually need to be upset about that. Right. Or like my, my intensity of that emotion doesn't necessarily like warrant, you know, the, the moment mm-hmm. or whatever. And so like recognizing that, like, I, I think it's been really freeing yeah, for because they creates that detachment. You can put it down and then you can detach from it. Right. If it's not serving you. Yeah. And I think for, for also for so long, you know, this is something I try and be really wary of as a parent now, but I think for so long athletes, I remember, you know, myself, like there's, whether it's, whether it was consciously said, but there's this definite idea that like, if you get frustrated when you're playing a sport, like that you're wrong, mm-hmm. you know, that it's like, you know, not necessarily that you're bad or you're a bad person, that right. Shouldn't but like, that, that shouldn't happen. Right. And so for them to like experience and, and be told and, and like write it out that like you can experience frustration 
and that's not out of your control, but it's what, what really is freeing is helping them identify what is in their control, right? Of like how you express it and how long you express that for, right? I, I, I kind of tell that athletes, I'm like, I actually don't really care whatever experience you have. Like what I really care about is, is those two things, right? Like if you, if you're going to fly off the handle with like, you know, a bunch of F-bombs and, and, and terrible language, like at least make it, make sure it's deliberate, right? At least make sure it's on purpose, right? Now, we don't necessarily want that as a best reaction, right? But for them to understand that like they're in control of how they express it, right? I think that's so freeing because we experience, like I said, out of our control, like when I miss a shot, I'm going to be frustrated, right? And so like not only am I now frustrated, but now there's this like guilt for being frustrated. And now I got to deal with both of those things. Right. Instead of a, it's very freeing to be like, hey, I'm frustrated. OK, like, how are you going to express that? Right. And how long are you going to express that for? Right. That it's like, man, I'm going to like clap my hands together and, and you know say some things to myself. But then as soon like as soon as that's done, I'm going to be back to, you know, back to peak form or wherever it is. Right. But it's been really, really freeing. And it's another, again, another like benefit that's come from like cracking open that journal. Well, one last question as we, we wrap up. Uh in your work what uh what brings you the most joy john wait say, say that one again in your work what brings you the most joy oh what bring what brings me the most joy oh man that's a great question uh brings me joy um all right i gotta think about that when i think about joy i gotta think about the things that like that just automatically like bring um bring a smile to my face um that's awesome. Uh, I mean, I just, when someone gets it right, like when, when somebody like you see them do something different and it pays off, Yeah, you know, um, I, you know, it brings me a lot of joy when something paid, like something I taught somebody pays off, but like, it doesn't even like see it. And so I'm, I, I expect them coming back being like, you know, hey, that didn't really work for me. And they come back and they're like, oh my gosh, dude, that was awesome. You know, yeah. like, oh shoot, I didn't even I didn't even like see that, see that one come up. So that's always like um that's always that's always super fun. Um, you know, with those those like, you know, aha moments are really, really good. Uh, but I think the probably the biggest thing is just like the joy. Sorry, is, is the joy of relationships. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably yeah. brings me like the most joy is like not even when I'm teaching, but showing up to a game or showing up to a practice is like, oh yeah, sweet John's here. You know, I'm like, okay, like not, not the, like the sense of like popularity, but like, oh, they, they don't hate me. That's like the fact that they know that they're about to be challenged um, and they're like looking forward to that. Yeah, um, yeah. That, that means that that's a good thing. That's a good sign for me. And I think it brings me a lot of joy.